Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta, Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Ta'anit, daf Yud Aleph, page 11. I'm going to start pretty much towards the top of the daf. We have a topic that I think is associated with Masachet Ta'anit, and it is not rain. Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rav. Kol amariv atzmo b'shnei re'avon nitzami mita Anybody who has food for himself and yet starves himself in the years of famine will be saved from an unusual death. Meaning the famine will redeem you from death. So the Gemara here asks, you know, it's a little bit of a strange, it's a little bit of a strange discussion. That verse, by the way, is from Eov, um, chapter five, but the wording here like yeah that's exactly what it says but it should say if you have you're delivered from famine not that you're delivered from death right the whole point is you have a concern about the famine so rather we should understand this verse to be saying that if you starved yourself in the during the years of the famine then you have a reward from um, of being saved from a, a strange death. And in this case, of course, it is talking about Eov specifically. So it's a, I would say it's a comment on theodicy or, you know, what does it mean? How does, how does your, how does one's death um, from, I don't know. I don't know what a strange death might entail, right? It's not clear here. The Gemara doesn't get into it at this time. Um, but the idea that, putting yourself through one kind of suffering can save you from a different kind of suffering is certainly an important comment, as I say, on some kind of, you know, how does God run in the world? And then we have Reish Lakish, who takes this to, to a different direction, in a different direction. I'm Reish Lakish. In the years of the famine, one should not have conjugal relations, sexual intercourse. We learn this from in Sefer Breshit, from uh, Genesis, when Yosef uh, had two sons before the famine. And the implication then is that that is significant, that the discussion of famine in the same verse that is discussing uh, the birth of his children is an indicator of, you know, that something changed, that he would have had presumably more children had there not been a famine to intervene. And then the Gemara goes on to say that if you don't have children, you can have marital relations during the years of famine, right? Because you still have a mitzvah then to be fruitful and multiply, and the idea is that the famine isn't going to get in that way. So the idea of, you know, not increasing the mouths that you have to feed during the year of famine might simply be, you know, practical sense. But on the other hand, it seems to be here, here it's presented as something that we're going to learn as a message from verses or, or modeling the behavior of Yosef as opposed to something that's simply practical. And even if it was still practical to, you know, diminish or not, not increase the number of mouths you have to feed, the mitzvah is going to take precedence over the famine. My guess is that that also indicates the trust here, right, that goes... Um, the trust that, that the famine is going to end, you know, so that then there will be children for, for a couple who hasn't yet had children at the beginning of it. 
ופירש אחד מהן, באים שני מלאכי השרת שמלווים לו לאדם ומכין לו ידיהם על ראשו ואומרים, פלוני זה שפירש מן הציבור, אל יראה בנחמת ציבור. So here we've got a break though that says, when B'nai Israel are in Tsar, right, they are shruyin b'tsar, they are steeped or, or soaking up Tsar, it's a bad time, a distress, or, I don't know, I'm not, how we translate Tsar, I guess, could be, it, it literally means trouble, but it's a, it's a time of trouble for the people. And one person from the community separates off from the rest of the community and does not join in the same suffering. Then the Gemara here says, two angels come to accompany that person. They put their hands on his head and they say, this person who separated himself from the seaboard, from the community, don't show him, the, don't give him the same nechama, the same comfort that the rest of the community will have. Meaning, this is a very long way of saying, don't separate from the community, which is said quite often. But in this case, The point is, you might think everybody would be running in every which direction to get away from the community when, when it's a time of tsar, when it's a time of trouble. And the Gemara here is, is making a very strong, uh, strong advocacy to say, no, no, stay together with the community because that by itself provides comfort. And not because there is you know, comfort in numbers, which may also be true, but because the, the angels will come and, and you know, will set and... And indicate, let me say this better, the fact that the Gemara here um, lays the separating off, that, you know, that the angels are going to come and say that this person who separated off is, should not get the comfort, implies that comfort that comes to those who stick together as a community also get their comfort from supernatural means. Meaning it's God who's providing the comfort that the community um, benefits from. And then... Lastly, here we've got another point about the community. When we've got, again, we've got a community that is immersed or steeped in trouble. A person should not say, The person should not go and say like, oh, well, I'm going home. I've got, I've got a good over there, right? I will eat, I will drink, you know, have a good time. Um, And, and again, this is a means of separating off from the, from the congregation or from the community. V'im osekin, as someone who does so, alav ha-ketuv omer, v'yinei sason v'simcha, harog v'kar v'shachot son, achol basar v'shtot yayin, achol v'shotot ki machar na'amut. This is a very, very famous verse, right? This is, um, it's a verse from Isaiah, chapter 22, where it says, you know, one, the, the Gemar brings this verse to, um, to pan the person who has done this, the person who's gone home and said like, yeah, I'll eat and drink at home, no worries. Here it says, you know, this is where we see joy and gladness and killing ox and killing sheep and eating meat and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we will die. That last line, of course. Like, let's get married and tomorrow we will die. Um, which is, it's, it's a real uh, rebuke Right in this context, because the idea that okay, you're going to separate off, you're going to go home, and you're going to eat and drink and do whatever you want, but pay attention to what you're saying because you're being so callous with the rest of the community. And then tomorrow, like you've got nothing. What's written afterwards, meaning in the same chapter in Isaiah, what's the next verse? 
that Hashem reveals himself and says, this sin surely will not be canceled when you die. Meaning, if you're being cavalier and you're going to say, almost as a matter of faith, oh, we'll eat, we'll drink, and tomorrow we'll die, we're not going to worry. And that's really the message, right? No worries. Um, if you think that that might be a functional way to live, the next verse comes and says, but keep in mind that you won't have any kapara. You will not, that God will not redeem you at the time that of your own death, which is, as I say, a pretty severe indictment of the philosophy of life that says, you know, eat, drink, and be merry tomorrow. For tomorrow we will die, which is, you know, only thinking of today and not thinking of the larger picture, which in this case includes the community, which only he should have stayed together with to begin with. I I think this is one of those passages that's not telling us anything particularly earth shattering, right? And like, I think these are ways we would probably live our life, but it's interesting to see the Gemara sort of spend the time to really record it, work it through. And again, as a way that I think we're seeing really particularly here, different than like, let's say, where we talked a lot about Midrash Halakha, but using Sukim to inform observation about the world around us, whether it's how we're ethically supposed to behave, which is what's happening here, or, you know, observation about the natural world around us. This is different than Midrash Halakha in a certain way. And I just want to draw our, it's really using Tanakh as a basis for, you know, what, what should we observe about our world? What is true about our world? Right. This is not, there's no question here that this is not deriving the message from the verse, right? It's using the verse to support the message that is already in play. Exactly. And I think, but, but it's, you know, interesting that they want to support it by using a verse, right? It's not willing just to say like, here are ethical teachings. They want to go back to Psukim to support it. And I, I, I think we're going to continue to see that throughout this Masachat. Um, I'm going to move down to the bottom of the daf. Uh, where we see an interesting statement by Shmuel, especially after this is an entire Masechet that deals with the concept of fasting, <coughs> and we see the following. Amr Shmuel, Anybody who fasts is called a sinner. So, okay, what is that supposed to mean here, since this whole Masechet is supposed to talk about when we're supposed to be fasting? Sever by high Tana, right? So this Shmuel here holds like this particular Tana. Remember, Shmuel's an Amora, so we're finding a Tana for him to match up with. Detanya, it was taught in a brisa. Rabbi Elazar Hakapar, Rabbi Elazar Hakapar, Rabbi Omer. You know the uh, he said he's sort of the eminent. He says Matamud Lamar, right? What is the Torah stating? And here we're talking about a Nazir, right? So remember, a Nazir is a person who basically takes a vow that they are not going to cut their hair, they will not become tame through two men I made, and they won't, you know, consume any. Uh, they won't have any wine. And so here they quote a pasuk uh, from Bamidbar, chapter 6, verse 11, which gives us all the halachot of the Nazir. The kiper alav, the Kohen, basically will make an atonement for the Nazir. For that what he said concerning the soul. So what the pasuk is specifically talking about is a Nazir who does become Tame through touching a dead body, right? He breaks his Nazirus and he basically has to start again. And so he has to bring a korban. But here the reading is concerning which soul has this Nazir sinned, right? Why, why is he being called a sinner? Rather, it's because he sort of uh, 
I don't know what's a good translation of the word Sierra, but he sort of made himself uncomfortable, I guess, uh, from abstaining from wine. And so I think what Shmuel and this Tana are talking about is, is that, yes, we're in a Masecha where we're dealing with the why we would need to fast, but they're calling attention sort of to this type of religious person who sort of, you know, uh, let's say, worships God in a way by making things uncomfortable for them, right? So whether it would be, whether it would be, um, but level of not participating in a world that really required of you. And then Rabbi Lezer goes, right? So isn't this a Kalbachomer? This with an Azir, right? Who only sort of, uh, again, I don't have a good English translation for the word Sierra. I've seen some were but I don't know if that. I think it's the same question of Tsa'ar, right? Like, it depends a little bit on the context. Is it trouble? Is it distress, as you say? You know, sort of, uh, meaning somebody who fasts, right? So that person also should be called a sinner. But Nazir is called a sinner just from not having wine. Somebody who's fast should really be called a sinner. Now the Gemara is going to give us, you know, a dissenting opinion. Rabbi Elazar Amir, Nikra Kadosh. So Rabbi Elazar says, now this is not Rabbi Elazar HaKapar. This is different Rabbi Elazar says. This is a little confusing here. Uh, you should call this person Kadosh. This person should be called fa- uh, holy, right? Because fasting basically is a good thing. It can atone for sins or things like that. Shina Amar. And here they quote a similar, pasu- you know, again, another pasuk from uh, the halachot of uh, Nazir. So this is by Midbar ch- uh, chapter six, verse five, right? Where he says, what? Kadosh um, gadel uh, right? The Nazir is basically going to be holy. He should let the locks of his hair and his head grow long, right? Because we know Nazir doesn't cut his hair. So Rabbi Elazar is also going to use a kalvachomer. Right, this person who only abstains from one thing, right, the Nazir only doesn't drink wine, right, Nikra Kadosh is called holy. Someone who distresses himself from not, from abstaining from everything, right, even more so should be considered to be holy. Um, so then the Gemara is going to go on to sort of explain how each one of them, what did they do, Shmuel and Rabbi Elazar Kapar and the other Rabbi Elazar, what did they do with those other verses? But I think what we're seeing is sort of these are really two different sort of ways that people relate to observance and being close to God, right? Are you a person who relates to sort of fasting and things like that? Or are you a person who feels like, no, you have to participate and enjoy everything that's in life? Um, and again, based on psukim and how you translate those psukim. So Ula Shmuel, according to Shmuel, right? And who says the person who says is a chota? right? Maybe he's really considered, he's called a holy person by the Torah. And so the Gemara answers, No, this refers just to the growth of his hair, but not the Nazir himself. The growing of the hair is Kadosh, but not the Nazir itself. And now the opposing view, right? According to Rabbi Elazar, the Nazir is called a Chota. How could he be Kadosh? Right? So this is a person, we're talking about a person who a Nazir who got contaminated, you know, who became tummy uh, with this, with this, with the dead body. So that that's when they're called a chote. Um, and then umiyamar Rabbi Elazar hachi, right? And now the Gemara wants to say, did Rabbi Elazar really uh, consider 
you know, fasting to be a good thing. But I'm a Rabbi Eliezer. Didn't Rabbi Eliezer say, Adam Atzmo. A person should always sort of measure himself or regard himself. As if holiness rests in his intestines. In other words, since you need to think of your intestines as holy, right, you have to give it proper nourishment. You can't weaken them or make them, you know, or, or, or make them suffer. Shanamar, and here they'll quote a pasuk from Hosea chapter 11, verse 9. Bikurbecha kadosh, right, and your miss is holy below abo be'ir, and I will not enter the city. So the bikurbecha kadosh means in terms of entering the city, but they're using it figuratively to mean like literally entering your inside, right? Your your inside. So then the Gemara says, Lokach, it's not a difficulty, right? The statement of Rabbi Elazar that somebody who fasts is kadosh, right, is someone who's able to do it. They can handle it. It's not going to make them suffer that much. But this statement that says that you shouldn't fast, right, is somebody who really would suffer, is like basically not a good faster. So it's interesting that it's even qualifying. We go all the way from, you know, two opposing views of, of, of Chota and Kadosh. And even the Kadosh one, it's basically saying only use fasting as a means if your body can handle it. And we know that there are people who don't fast well. And then finally, we conclude with a, dis- a statement of Rish Lakish, again, on this topic of voluntary fasting, right? Rish Lakish, Amar Nikra Chassid. So Rish Lakish goes all the way to the other extreme. A person who's fast is really called a Chassid. Shana Amar, and here he quotes a pasuk from Mishlei, chapter 11, verse 17. Gomel nafsho is Chassid, right? One who weans his soul, right, from food and drink is, uh, that's the context of the, that's the idea here, is a pious man. And one who destroys his flesh, uh, the rest of the pasuk says is somebody who's uh, who's cruel. So the question is, uh, according to the commentators, at least, is Rish Lucky sort of just as an Amora following the opinion of Rabbi Elazar, or is it sort of even saying something, uh, you know, even uh, more by using the word chassid as opposed to, uh, you know, as opposed to kadosh? Maybe chassid is actually on a higher level of a kadosh, but that's something that the commentators work out. So, you know, again, even though we're in a masacha that's really dealing with sort of the merits or when we need to fast, it's interesting to see that there is a Tana Namora, Rabbi Lazar Kapar and Shmuel, who don't really love voluntary fasting. And again, the fasting that takes place in Tanit is because there isn't rain. There's a real reason for it. It's not just because like, oh, you decided not to fast. Um, and again, I think this really gives us two very different approaches to worship and connection to God. Um, that we know we see around us now. You know, some people who like to abstain, some people who, you know, think if, if God gave it to you and there's food and there's things like that, there's no reason not to enjoy it and participate in it. And in fact, not using those things is actually not in service to God. So I feel like that's the flip side of the Idrik and be merry, like approach to the world, right? That you can still partake of the world in a in a positive way without that flippancy about, tomorrow we will die right and i also wanted to say that i think that the this whole discussion here dana that you've engaged in here with the fasting i feel like of course masachat tanit needed to do a deep dive into fasting and what it's like meaning not in the context of rain but the 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 specifics and the essence of what does it mean to fast and when are we allowed to and and what does it mean recognizing that not everybody can fast as easily and so on and I'm very appreciative of it. I'm not sure when I think it should have appeared in the Masachet. I'm not sure that this daf is necessarily where I would have put it in my own, you know, 
logical, illogical system of, of organizing things. But I, I appreciate that Masachat here took the time, that Chazal bothered to have this conversation. Yeah, I, I agree. But it's right. I think it was a conversation that needed to happen. Like, it's almost like Amar saying, like, oh, you thought we were, like, totally on board with fasting? We just want to make sure that you understand it has to only take place at a certain time and place. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hondrum website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.